The story of Jonah reminds us of Jesus' last words to his disciples, to go into all the world with the message of good news, that God loves humanity and that it's not his will that any should perish. What we so often forget is that God has chosen believers to partner with him in getting that good news to the lost. Jesus made that clear before he left this earth. The calling is not optional. The question for us is this, will we obey him or will we go our own way? Jonah went his own way with disastrous results. Is God disciplining his church and perhaps each of us as individuals because we're failing in the call to share the gospel with the lost? Good morning, everyone. Thank you, thank you. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went to the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port city of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket, went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now most of us are familiar with the story of Jonah. In fact, we call it Jonah and the Whale. Uh, in fact, uh, the Bible doesn't say that it was a whale. It says it was a fish. Uh, we, and so we know it's not a whale because, in fact, in the Hebrew language, there is a word for whale, but that's not the word that's using. It, it's being used. So we don't really know what this creature is. And right now, for all intents and purposes, it doesn't really matter. What we need to know, however, is what is the point of the story of Jonah? God calls this Jewish prophet, Jonah, to go and preach to the Ninevites, who are, in fact, Gentile. They are not Jewish. Now, this alone, this fact alone, is very confusing to Jonah. The Ninevites were a very wicked people. In fact, their wickedness has reached epic proportions, so that God wants them warned. God wants Jonah to go to them and and tell them that their sin is now out of, out of, uh, out of control and God's about to uh, do something about it. Now, we see that God does this. He, he's, he does this a number of times throughout the Old Testament. Uh, we, f we find the prophets of God literally warning all the nations at that time uh, about the judgment that will come upon them if they don't turn to God. And we see Noah doing that. Noah, during the time that he is preparing and building his ark, he's preaching the gospel message, warning his people that a flood is going to come. And of course, you know the story with Noah, nobody believes him. And then we see the same thing with Sodom and Gomorrah. In fact, in Genesis, uh, the angel of God is visiting Abraham, and this is what it says. The angel uh, is speaking on behalf of God and says, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. And so this is God's pattern. God is a loving God. How many know that today? And we sometimes forget that. And we're going to see in just a moment what the heart of God really is. The prophet Jonah does not want to go to Nineveh because, quite frankly, he thinks Nineveh should be destroyed. He doesn't want to see them saved. He doesn't want to see this city turn around. 
Now, just to give us some perspective, Nineveh is, at this time, is the largest, the biggest city in the world. It's a city of over 600,000 people, uh, almost the same as Winnipeg. And just imagine for a moment all, of, all the people of Winnipeg being snuffed out like that. Now, for, for Jonah, who hated Nineveh, the idea of 600,000 wicked people all being killed is just a great, great idea. He loves this idea, but that's not the heart of God. So here is Nineveh. It's uh, in, the, in the great empire of Assyria. Assyria, by the way, is modern-day Iraq. And this city, Nineveh, is a very ancient city. Archaeologists say that it was formed or formulated at 6,000 B.C. So it's, it's an ancient city even when Jonah is here visiting it. And, uh, and here's something that's really quite shocking. I, I didn't really realize it until I started doing my study on Jonah. But it's just 20 years later, 20 years after Jonah goes and preaches to Nineveh, just 20 years later, that the Assyrians invade northern Israel and take the 10 tribes of Israel into captivity, which uh, actually obliterated those, those 10 tribes. That was the end of 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 Israel, northern Israel. But God, who can see all this, he knows what's going to happen. God is God. He knows the future. 20 years before this event, he sends Jonah in his mercy to preach to these people who are about to be obliterated because of their great sin. Their sin, their wickedness has come to the attention of God. Jonah looks at Nineveh as a clear and present danger to Israel. And so when God says to Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go and preach to the Ninevites. I want you to go and warn them about their wickedness. Jonah is absolutely flabbergasted. What? Did I hear you right, God? You want me to go and preach to our enemy and bring them hope and speak to them of a God of mercy? you got to be kidding me. And the short answer, God, is no, I'm not going. I am not going to preach to Israel's enemy. I'm not going to the evil empire. In fact, I'm going to go in the opposite direction. And that's the beginning of our story. Jonah gets on a, on a boat. It's probably a little bit bigger than that one. And uh, by the way, what a great job the, the, the crew did building that. Look at that great whale's tail. Fantastic. He goes in the opposite direction. What I want to do today is I want to remind us at the beginning of our calendar year, we, we begin a brand new season of programs and fundraisers and, and ministries. I want to remind us of what our calling is. What is it that God has called Cross Church to do and to be? What is it God has called each of us as individuals to do and to be? And we see the answer to that in that, that verse that all of us know so well. We learned it in Sunday school. Uh, we see it at football games and hockey games. It's John. It's, yeah, you've seen it. You know what it is. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Why? Because God loves this world. For God so loved the world. Now, for some of us, we have heard this uh, 
thousands of times, if not millions of times. And you know it. And it, it kind of, your heart kind of goes callous to this truth, and it's kind of in one ear and out the other. But this morning, what I'm hoping is that God will stir up your heart again and help you to recognize, to see how much he loves this world. So let's take a look at that for a moment. Let's try to understand the heart of God. We, we discovered that Jonah, who is the man of God, called the man of God because he's a prophet, we discover that, in fact, he is a bitter, racist prophet. He has got a bad attitude. He's a bad attitude prophet, bad attitude preacher. And he is absolutely nothing like the God that he's supposed to reflect. He's nothing like the God that he serves. But he, if he doesn't know that God's got a heart for the world, he does know this. He knows that the Ninevites are vicious, cruel, nasty people. In fact, it's their ability to torture is epic. In fact, if you do any studies on this, all the ancient records talk about the viciousness, the cruelty of the Ninevites. And I'm going to tell you, the Israelites knew all about it. It's one of the reasons they feared the Assyrians. They're known for their beheadings, their mutilations. They would set people on fire, very much like modern-day ISIS. And it's kind of interesting if you, if you look at the, the uh, geography of, of all of this, you discover that ISIS is, is right now in this particular area of the world. ISIS is attacking Christians, doing exactly the same thing, beheading believers, mutilating Christians, burning people alive. And Jonah knows all this, and he, quite frankly, he doesn't want Nineveh to repent. He wants them to be destroyed. So he says, I'm not going to, I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm not preaching to them. I'm not giving these people a chance. God, if you're going to destroy them because of their wickedness, then destroy them. Let it happen. Do it now. He doesn't want them to repent. Now, I just want to stop for a moment and, uh, and ask a question to all of us. How many of us as believers are the same as Jonah, have the same heart of Jonah? We think of these Islamic terrorists and we think, man, wouldn't it be good if Americans could just drop a bomb and destroy the whole works of them? Wouldn't that just be great because of what ISIS is doing? In fact, some of us have come to the place where we're actually quite racist and, and sad to say it, maybe even hate Muslims. God loves them. You maybe didn't know that. You thought, well, God only loves Christians. Well, and if you're Jewish, you think, well, God only loves Jews. And if you're Muslim, you might think, well, God only loves Muslims. But here's what we understand as Christians. God loves this world. He cares about this world. And it's not his will that any should perish. Did you hear that this morning? It's not God's will that any should perish. It's not God's will that your neighbor should perish or that your children should perish or that anyone should perish. God loves them. So here's Noah, or Jonah. I keep getting those two names mixed up, so you forgive me. If I say Noah, pretend it's Jonah. He simply refuses to go to Nineveh. He buys a ticket on a boat, and he goes in the exact opposite direction. On the boat, a storm comes up. 
and in fact, it's hurricane winds. The, the Mediterranean Sea is not that deep, and so when the wind comes up, it's massive, terrible waves. And the sailors are sailors, they're used to storms, but they have never experienced anything like this. This ship is groaning and creaking and splintering. The boat is threatening to destruct right beneath their feet. And they start throwing cargo overboard, hoping that the boat will lift a little bit out of the water and not be so vulnerable to destruction. Folks, this is not a natural storm. And the sailors know it. They know that this is something from the gods. This is a supernatural storm. And their question is, which god is angry with which person on this ship? Who's brought this on? Who's responsible for this? And so the captain calls everybody together and says, we're going to draw lots. We're going to find out who is responsible for this disaster. And of course, everybody lines up and they, they draw their straws and whoever's got the short straw is the one who's responsible. And of course, you know how this goes. It falls to Jonah. Jonah is the one responsible. And Jonah knows Jonah knows he's responsible. He didn't have to go through this whole process of casting lots. He knew it was because of him. And he said, well, folks, it's my fault. And in fact, uh, just throw me overboard just now. And the sailors said, hold, hold on a minute here. If your God has brought this kind of a storm to us, we're not going to make him even more angry by throwing you overboard. But Jonah reassures him. and says, yeah, this is what you got to do. It's, it's me. It's because of me. This storm... These hurricane winds, it's all my fault, so throw me overboard. And so uh, they do that, and uh, guess what happens? By the way, I want you to read the book of Jonah. It's only four chapters. It's literally two pages in your Bible, so you know, don't do it right now. But when you leave here today, before you come to church next Sunday, I'd like you to have, have it read. It's not difficult to read. It's actually quite, quite engaging. It's a great story. They throw him overboard, and the sea is instantly calm. No waves, no wind, everything's calm. And the Bible says that they've never seen anything like this before. In fact, the Bible says, uh, here in Jonah 1, 15 to 16, let's look at this. It says, then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. And the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Isn't that cool? So here's Jonah, not even intending to win these sailors for Christ or for God. And these, they have seen the power of God demonstrated in this act of throwing Jonah overboard. And John MacArthur says that someday when we get to heaven, we're probably going to see some of the sailors that were on this ship in heaven. That's a pretty cool thought, isn't it? So when you get to heaven, if you get there, When you get to heaven, look, look for the sailors that, were, that threw Jonah overboard. We, I think it'd be an interesting discussion. Anyway, back to our story. Jonah, along with every zealous Israelite and anyone who was called God's people, did not really understand the heart of God. And again, let me say it again. Many of us do not understand the heart of God. Many of us do not really understand that God loves this world. 
Many believe that God hates the world and hates the sinner, but he doesn't hate the sinner. If he hated the sinner, he would not have sent us Jesus Christ to save us. Amen? So here's what we read in 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, the promise of his return, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake because he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. He wants everyone to turn from their ways. God wants the Ninevites who now are living such sinful lives, he wants them to turn from their sin. He wants them to live repentant lives. Now, you need to understand that. Because if you don't understand the heart of God, then you can definitely not understand the calling of God. You cannot understand what it is that God wants you to do in this broken and hurting world. How many understand we're living in a broken and hurting world? There are people who are suffering all around us. And many of us have those people in our own families. We have them as neighbors. We have them as our friends. People who need hope. People that need Jesus. This is what we need to be reminded of as we start the fall of 2016, as we start this calendar year. We need to understand why it is that we get involved in Sunday school. Why do we get involved in youth ministry and the children's programs and kids club? Why do we get involved in these things? Why do we serve? Because the heart of God is for a broken and hurting world. And God wants your heart to align with his heart so that your heart hurts even as his heart hurts over the broken of this world. You might look at the people around you and and you might be quite disgusted with them and quite disgusted with their sin and their wicked ways. But God sees beneath that layer of wicked ways and he sees a heart that's broken and hurting. He sees people acting out. He sees people self-medicating because of the pain that's in their heart. And God has called you and me to go and bring a message of hope and of love to people who have lost their hope, who've, who are in, living in despair, who are trying to make, make it from one day to the next. That's the heart of God. Do you understand that today? Does your heart beat, beat with God's heart? Do you weep over the lost? Are you concerned about those who have not yet heard? Does it bother you? Does it keep you awake at night? Do you find yourself waking up in the middle of the night praying for those people in your life that are so broken and hurting? You may be tempted to be angry at them, to be bitter at them, to be like Jonah and hate them and say, well, you deserve what you're going through. You deserve the pain and suffering. Look at how you have lived. That's not how God sees them. And for this reason, God has called you and me and called Jonah and many other prophets to go and share the love of God. There's a great commercial on TV. I mean, there's not a lot of good stuff on TV, but right now, Geico, Geico has some amazing commercials. There's one, uh, there's there's a whole series that came out. And the one I, I, I... it comes to my mind is, um, is Tarzan is swinging through the jungle with Jane, and they don't know where they are, 
and she starts yelling at him because he doesn't know where they are. And she starts talking to a monkey. And the monkey's shaking his head. I, I don't know what you're talking about. But asking her for direction. And, and Tarzan's mad at Jane and saying, Jane, it, look, you gotta, you got to talk to me. I'm Tarzan. I'm the one that knows what's going on. i got a bigger brain than the monkey. Talk to me. And she's not so sure that his brain is bigger than the monkey's brain. And an argument breaks out. And the Geico narrator comes on and says, if you're a couple, you fight. That's what couples do. And if you want... 15% off on your car insurance, then you switch to Geico. <laughs> is that great? Tars have nothing to do with Geico, but they make the connection. I just love that. Well, look it. God calls Jonah. <laughs> God calls Jonah to go and preach and warn the Ninevites. Jonah is a prophet. That's what prophets do. It's what they do. And God is not letting Jonah off the hook. Pardon the fish pun here. And so we read in Jonah 1.17. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Well, we're going we're gonna to visit that next week. We're going to visit Jonah in the fish next week. But we've come to the place where he's been thrown overboard. He's been swallowed by a fish. God is not going to let Jonah off the hook. God has called Jonah to do this job. His job is to go and preach because prophets preach is what they do. And if you're a Christian today, folks, Christians share their faith. It's what you do. And God won't let you off the hook on this. That's why we teach habit number six, which is make disciples. It's what we do. It's who we are. Jesus has called us to go and share our faith. To go and tell people what Jesus has done for me. You say, Pastor Ron, it scares the daylights out of me. I don't know what to say. Oh, listen, all you have to do is tell people what Jesus has done for you. You don't have to have a Bible college degree, a master's degree, a doctorate. You don't have to read all the books. All you have to do is say, I asked Jesus into my life, and it made the world a difference. Everything changed. Everything changed. I remember when, when, when my family decided that we were going to follow God, and we all started going to church on a regular basis. Our whole family changed. Everything changed. Folks, you would think that God would look at Jonah and say, okay, you are a useless prophet. You're hopeless. You are absolutely, I'd say go that way, you go that way. I love the world, you hate the world. But here's an interesting thing, folks. God, for whatever reason... And I'm, I still don't understand this. I've been in the ministry for a lot of years. I still don't get this. But God uses all kinds of people, even the unqualified and the sinful and the racist Jonah. And he even uses people like you and me. God has called us to be his ambassadors of love. He has called us to go and share our faith. 
it needs, it really needs to be part of your daily life, your life experience, if you are a believer. If you're not a believer, if you're not a follower of Christ, well, then you'll just enjoy the story of Jonah today. But if you are a believer, then you need to understand that your job, my job, our calling is to go and share this good news about a loving God, a merciful God, a God who cares about the broken and the hurting. God wants the whole world to know what's in his heart. And in the heart of God is great love for a broken world. Now, if you look at Jonah, Jonah is actually a microcosm of Israel. In other words, if you look at Jonah and look at his attitude, look at the way he functions, you could actually see in Jonah what the whole nation of Israel is. He's, Jonah represents all of Israel. And I'm speaking, of course, in generalities, but man, it's, it's right on the button. All of Israel, the Bible says, is supposed to be, listen to this, is supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. That's what we read in Isaiah 49, 6. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. That's not out of the New Testament, folks. That's the Old Testament, Isaiah. This is what Israel was supposed to do. It's who they were supposed to be. They were supposed to be a light to the whole wide world. Listen to this, folks. They were supposed to be a nation of missionaries. A lot of people don't know that. We see Israel as, as sort of hunkering down, circle the wagons, protect themselves, keep the evil Gentiles out. Let's not mix with the evil world. Let's not mix with sinners because we're God's chosen people. We are a holy people, and therefore we have nothing to do with unholy people. This is why when Jesus begins his message, this, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. And by the way, I just saw this for the first time. I'm going to share it with you today. When Jesus begins a Sermon on the Mount, he begins by reminding the Jewish people of God's original intention for them. He begins, first of all, with the Beatitudes, and then he begins his message by saying, you are the salt and the light of the earth. Listen to this. Jesus says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Can you believe it? The first time I saw that, I saw that as a message for Christians. I didn't see it as a message for ancient Israel. This was God's intention for Israel right from the beginning of time. From the time that they were formulated, from the time that they were founded as a nation, God wanted them to be a light to a broken and hurting world. Jesus says, if you're not being a light to the world, if you're not being salt to the world, then people, what is the point of Israel? What is the point of God's people? You've completely missed the point. You do not understand the heart of God. And Jesus is speaking very directly and very prophetically, and I might say very painfully. It's painful for the people to hear this. They're being reminded of their ancient responsibility. 
Now this morning, I'm reminding you and I'm reminding myself of our ancient responsibility. Our job is to bring light and hope to a broken and hurting world. This is why we do what we do. Israel, like Jonah, had become racist and full of hatred for anyone who was not Jewish. Did you know that? They would not even talk to you. In fact, there were rules that if a Gentile was sitting at this table and I was Jewish, I could not sit at the same table and eat with him. I could not eat from the same table. I could have nothing to do with him, which goes completely and utterly against the heart of God. Did you know that every one of the prophets from Isaiah to Malachi, every one of them addresses the nations? All the nations are addressed. It's not just Israel that God is concerned about. God's concerned with the whole world. When we read the Old Testament, we think, well, this is just for Jewish people. This is God's old covenant. But folks, you're, you have not been reading the Bible properly if all you see is God speaking to Jewish people. He's speaking to the world. Why? Because he loves the world. And the prophets come along and they preach the gospel and Israel hated their missionary assignment and they also hated their prophets. And it's for that reason they killed them. John the Baptist is a point in case, or case in point. John the Baptist sees Jesus and here's what he says. Look, he, takes, he sets his eyes on Jesus and he says, look, the Lamb of God, watch this, who takes away the sin of the world. This is, this is who we are, people. We're people who understand that Jesus Christ is the only one who can take away the sin of this world. Jesus Christ is the only one who can take away your sin, who can wipe the slate clean as though you'd never sinned. Now you think for a moment about how your life has changed because you believed in Jesus, because you received forgiveness for your sin. Do you remember when you became a Christian? I sure remember it. I, and that, was, that goes back a lot of years ago. Like none of you were born then. So those at the back were born. You're born for a long time. <laughs> There's my mom back there, so I can say that. I remember it. I remember when I came to Jesus Christ, and nobody prompted me. My parents certainly weren't, weren't forcing me. It's something that God was doing in my heart. His Holy Spirit was working in my heart, and God brought people around me to lead me to the place where I surrendered my life to Christ. And I wanted it. I wanted that because the preacher promised that if I would give my heart to Jesus, that Jesus would forgive me of my sin. And I remember that moment when I asked Christ into my life, and man, it was like the weight of the world lifted. I felt like I could fly. I felt, does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Say amen if you understand what I'm talking about. I felt like I could fly. I felt a joy. I felt a happiness. I didn't want to go to sleep that night. I wanted to read my Bible. I wanted, I just couldn't get enough of what God was given to me. The Holy Spirit came upon me. He empowered me to change my life. 
And I started, literally, without anybody telling me this, I would go to school and I started telling all my friends about Jesus, what Jesus had done for me. And they all knew something had happened to me. I'd changed. This is what happens, folks, with people who are in darkness, who are hopeless, who are broken. They come to Jesus, and Jesus changes their life. He gives them hope. He relieves them of the guilt, of the shame. Your life improves. Your socioeconomic condition even changes. Yeah. I remember how things began to change in my family. You've heard me tell this before. I remember getting my first polyester leisure suit. Don't laugh because they were in style. But bury your smile, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Shirt open down to here. One chest or two chest hairs. And I was styling, I was looking great. Life was better. New friends, new purpose, new joy. This is what God wants for a broken and hurting world. That's why we do what we do here at Cross Church. This is why we go to Burundi. This is why we ask you to get involved in the programs here. It's all so that we can advance this marvelous message of hope for a broken and hurting world. I had a, a man tell me recently that when he became a Christian, he quit smoking, he quit drinking, he quit gambling, and now he had enough money to make a mortgage payment. He was able to buy a house. He said, I wouldn't have this today. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a better socioeconomic position if I hadn't given my life to Christ. He says, if, if for no other reason, oh, I've got a better life just for believing. Folks, you and I are called to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And Cross Church is called to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why at the end of October, we're going to have a fundraiser for Village of Hope Africa. And if some of you who've got something in your pockets that you'd like to share with a broken and hurting world, Saturday, October the 29th. Why in February we're going to do it again, February the 25th. It's why we have small groups so that you can invite your friends to participate and to experience for themselves authentic Christian community. Because there's a broken and hurting world out there that Jesus has called you and me to reach. You say, Pastor, I don't know how to do it. Well, it's simple. All you do is invite people into your life. Invite them to come to church and sit beside you. Invite them to come to your small group. Invite them to listen to your story about how God changed your life. That's the calling of every true believer. Let me just uh, tell, a, tell a story. I'm going to tell on tell on some of us who went to Africa. We laugh about it now, but the four of us that went to Burundi, um, of the four of us, Deb was the only one that was really excited about going to Burundi. The other three of us were not so crazy about it, and um, I see Janet Denny sitting there smiling, so I know I'm, I'm, I'm okay to tell the story. Uh, we were told that our visas would not come th through on time, and Janet and Denny and I were secretly kind of excited about this. <laughs> we <would> be <laughs> we, I'm, and I'm the pastor, so. Um, 
the, the idea that we could stay home this summer and not go, uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, for Janet, I think it was the political situation and the busy, hectic schedule here. For Denny, um, the only reason he was going is because Janet was going. And I think his, in his head that if Janet was going to die in Burundi, he wanted to die with her. <laughs> <laughs> and then for me, uh, I was just thinking of the torturous flights. I think you're 20, air, 20 hours in the air. And, uh, and then I had to speak like 35 hours, something like that. It was just, just a ridiculous number of hours. And so, man, we were really quite happy that these visas were not going to come through and that we could just stay home. John and Denny could go to the lake and I could uh, try to finish my deck that I've been working on for the last six years. But it's okay because I can't use it anyway. And, uh, and so we went. And you heard, you heard the three or the four of us share a little bit how we felt when we got back. I wish... I wish there were a way that I could bring every one of you with me to Burundi to hear the gratitude of those pastors and the gratitude of those churches. Grateful to God for this church here in Winnipeg that takes seriously the call of God to go and bring hope to a broken and hurting world. I wish I, wish I could bring you with us to the picnic where the 150 or so Village of Hope kids have fun on the beach and all made possible because of you, because of your willingness to give and support these children. I, I wish you could have been with us as we took the kids' pictures. Some of them were really happy to stand beside me and smile big, mug for the camera. Others, they were they're terrified of coming near me. They screamed and cried, so I had to get away from them. But aside from that, how delightful, how thrilling it was to think that these kids are laughing, running around, having fun like kids should, with hope for a future. Because people at Cross Church take seriously this call of God to go and bring hope to a broken and hurting world. We share the love of God because we're Christians. It's what we do. It's who we are. Because we've experienced what God has done in our hearts. We want others to experience the same thing. Let's stand together and pray, shall we? God, we want to say thank you for the story of Jonah. I want to say thank you, God, for the reminders from Jonah's life. We're reminded, God, that there's a calling on us to go and share your love with a broken and hurting world. Not just in Burundi, but right here in our own community, right here in Winnipeg, right here in this church. God, I pray right now that those who call themselves believers today would take seriously this calling. That we would, each and every one of us, do everything in our power and strength to share your love. I'm thinking of Scott and Laura with their, their Bible school group at, at the high school, at Tech High. And I'm thinking of, of those who've been inviting their friends, their next-door neighbors, to their small group. 
And I'm, I'm thinking of those who have gone on missions trips. And I'm, I'm thinking of those who are involved in the kids' club and Sunday school. And those who are serving on Friday night with the youth. People understand that the only way that people can truly be happy in this life is by finding Jesus who gives hope and purpose and peace. So God, use us, we pray, as your servants. Use us, we pray. Help us to respond to your call to spread your love with a broken and hurting world. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone say it with me. Tell the person beside you, go tell somebody about Jesus.